All right, it is time. Lawyer Talk Q&A. The long-awaited delay is over. Uh, we are back with uh, Q&A. Uh, Steve Palmer here with Lawyer Talk Q&A series at the LawyerTalkPodcast.com. So what's going on here? Well, people submit their questions, and uh, I try to answer them. And, you know, everybody knows all summer I've been jammed up uh, with my real job. That is my law practice representing folks charged with crimes. Just finished up a huge trial down in uh, Hocking County, Ohio. We got an acquittal. Uh, my close friend and colleague, Mark Satow up in Michigan, uh, he and I went down there and uh, tried a self-defense uh, homicide case. Uh, the jury, uh, with rapid results, agreed with us, and uh, it was the right verdict, at least in our estimation. Uh, the Ohio Attorney Generals may see that differently. Well, that's their problem. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm back. That means all summer I've been tied up uh, with that and a couple other sort of, uh, uh, we'll just call them heavy, weighty legal matters that I've had to resolve. So I've done that. That means I am going to start answering the questions that have been piling up, and I'm going all the way back to June. And I'm going to I'm going to answer a question from Samuel Spade. I presume this is a uh, nom de plume, as they say, or a uh, pseudonym, uh, Sam Spade, the great Sam Spade from the old uh, detective novels, I think uh, most known for uh, the Maltese Falcon, old Humphrey Bogart in the classic. So I, uh, I looked up a quick quote. I'm not going to lie. I'd use Google for this, but uh, uh, he was asked in the Maltese Falcon, you always have a very smooth explanation ready. And Sam Spade's response is telling, what do you mean to do? Learn to stutter? Well, without stuttering any more than I have to here, I'm going to try to get through this question uh, from Sam Spade. And here, here's the question in a nutshell. It has to do with geofencing and what the hell is geofencing and how does it work and what do I think about geofencing? So uh, here's the question. Sam Spade writes, geofencing warrants are the new tool that local law enforcement is using to soak up data for further criminal investigations. And he says geofencing in a nutshell is a particular area local law enforcement have a warrant for. And in, in that geofence, they can suck up data from any member of the public and track such things as who's going to... Uh, a known drug house. But, he says, this could cause such mislabeling problems as what if you're going to a friend's house that happens to live next to a drug house? Uh, Sam has heard through the grapevine that this is going to be possibly one of the next constitutional arguments coming down the pipeline. And he wants my opinion on cops using geofencing. And uh, do I believe it's constitutional? Great question. Um, I did a little bit of research on this and uh, I'm going to do my best to answer the question. So geofencing works basically this way. The cops will say, uh, look, here's this uh, area where a crime was committed, uh, say a bank robbery uh, down at uh, Broad and High on in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, they, they get surveillance videos and they see that there's lots of people around that have cell phones uh, either in or out of their, maybe they see them out of their pockets or maybe even they just say, we think that lots of people around have cell phones because let's face it, folks, most people have cell phones. So they, they write out to Google a warrant that says, we want all the data of all the phones that are in this particular area, this geographic area, say within 100 yards of the bank or a half mile of the bank in this big circle. And, you know, this is different than uh, other uh, what we call tower dumps where uh, they go to um, uh, the cell phone providers and they would say, we want to know what uh, who was pinging where and they get a particular number and they can uh, find out uh, if a suspect was in a particular area. Uh, and I'm not going to go into the, di the differences, but we're talking about a warrant for Google to release location information. So it's not necessarily tied to the phone. It's tied to Google account users. Uh, and, you know, most people these days are using Google in some capacity, whether they know it or not, on their cell phones. Uh, and they can opt in and out of sharing their location data. So back to the geofence warrant. The government says we want all this data in this particular area 
uh, give it to us. Uh, is it constitutional? Well, there is a case. And, uh, you know, this is, as Sam Spade uh, aptly points out, this is an emerging constitutional issue. And it happens that uh, recently this issue came up in a case of United States versus Chattree, C-H-A-T-R-I-E, in Richmond, Virginia, in a federal district court, Eastern Division of Virginia, uh, where there was, in fact, a bank robbery and surveillance video at the bank uh, showed that the robber had a cell phone and there was a, a a guy outside the bank building making a cell phone call. And I don't think they knew this guy was the robber, but they wanted to figure out his identity. Um, this prompted a search warrant uh, to Google to identify who this individual was. The, the warrant uh, issued for pertinent data from Google uh, in three steps. Step one began with the government requesting Google provide uh an anonymous location records for any quote Google account that is associated with a device um, within 150 meters of the bank. So they're saying any Google account that is associated with a device um, within a one hour window of a hundred within 150 meters of the bank. Um, they wanted Google to search across every existing Google account and compute which records matched the parameters of the warrant. And within two weeks, Google disclosed anonymous location information of 19 accounts that had been near the bank. Step two involved the government requesting another round of anonymous data uh, for those 19 accounts. They were expanding now to a two-hour time frame, one hour on either side of the robbery. The government alleged that the account it identified as suspicious traveled to a residence after visiting the bank, and using the, that address, they were able to obtain records linking the individual's name to the location data. So they expanded the warrant and figured out who the person was that they wanted to identify. And in step three, uh, the cops requested Google uh, give them subscriber information for the account plus two other accounts. The presumed holder of the first account was indicted uh, as the defendant. Um, so that is the backdrop of the case. The defense said, no, we're, we don't think this is constitutional. We file or they filed a motion to suppress. And that's a uh, fancy legal talk for saying uh, they were asking the court to throw the evidence out because they claim the search warrant or the uh, the action of the police violated their client's Fourth Amendment's rights. And uh, going way back to a, uh, several U.S. Supreme Court cases in the late 60s, uh, that means they suppress from use at trial any information found. So. Uh, they were trying to get the, uh, the the information and data thrown out and not used against their client at trial. Now, uh, this is a broader question about Fourth Amendment and search warrants, et cetera. But generally speaking, if we have a reasonable expectation of privacy in some activity that we're doing, then the government needs a warrant uh, and they can't just go get the information. And if they have a, if they have to get a warrant, it has to be based on probable cause. And probable cause is more than just saying, hey, we want to we want to know what's going on here so please give us this generalized information or a generalized broad based search warrant uh, that said that, uh, that that casts a dragnet uh, over all sorts of information and then the government gets to sift through it that is the argument that Sam Spade is concerned about here that geofence warrants do just that uh, there are these broad swath warrants that uh, throw this net out there and can drag in innocent folks uh, and subject them to government intrusion and searches in, in activity uh, for which they have a reasonable expectation of privacy, expectation of privacy. Um, so, you know, at the outset, the U.S. Supreme Court, back in a case called Carpenter versus United States, uh, decided in 2018, uh, for those who want to cite, it's 138 Supreme Court uh, 2206, or if you like, Lawyer's Edition, which is another way you can look it up, 220, or 201, Lawyer's Edition 2nd, 507. That's 2018. And basically what they said is that uh, uh, there's a Fourth Amendment uh, implication when the police search 
a a uh, cell phone or cell site records of individuals. So uh, everybody that's got a cell phone has a legitimate expectation of privacy and the record of his physical movements is uh, the quote of Carpenter. So how does that play into geofence warrants? Well, it all played out in Chattery. And uh, basically the defense was asserting that the warrants are the modern day incarnation of the reviled general warrant, the one we just talked about where the government gets a warrant to get everything at once. Um, and it's the digital equivalent of searching every home in the neighborhood of a reported burglary or searching uh, the bags of every person walking along Broadway because of a theft that allegedly occurred in Times Square. Uh, and the idea here is that uh, they're 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 erratic. They're killing too many. Uh, too, or they're, kill, they're they're killing too many birds with one stone. Maybe is the best way to say it. What they're doing is they're they're in the under the guise of searching for one particular. Um, bit of information, they're really throwing a dragnet out there and getting all sorts of information uh, to which they would not normally be entitled to get without a specific warrant for that information. So uh, that's what the defense was arguing. Um, they say, so what they really said is that the police failed to show that they had probable cause to believe that the bank was robbed by a Google user. In other words, uh, the warrant didn't identify how and why and the specific details of, uh, of whether the information sought was going to uh, was connected with some nexus to uh, the robbery itself. So what they what the defense is saying is, look, this is a general warrant. We, you, you have no idea, cops. You have no idea, government, um, that the person who robbed the bank was using a phone or had a phone even. And if they did have a phone, was it activated and being in use at the time of the robbery? This was just a fishing expedition, and the net that they used to fish was uh, thrown out there too broadly. Um, the government said, no, nah, we can do this. The defendant had no reasonable expectation of privacy in the information disclosed by Google. Um, it, it argued that the Google data was less revealing than even cell site data uh, at issue in Carpenter. Um, there was only two hours of location data obtained. Uh, Google data did not provide uh, all-encompassing record of the holder's whereabouts in an intimate window of a person's life that uh, the defense was arguing about in Carpenter. Uh, the, uh, the government also argued against the defense here that even if Google data is more precise in cell site records, uh, such a distinction was really sort of immaterial. Um, and they said, it's just like the cell site tower dumps and we can do it as long as we have warrant. Um, you know, it's interesting that, um, Google actually intervened here and they filed a brief, uh, an amicus brief where, you know, some third party has an interest in the outcome. Now they didn't really take a position. Uh, one way or another, other than just to describe what's going on with the data. And uh, they both supported the defense and the state as with their arguments. Um, the first Google, uh, one of the big issues here was whether when we have our cell phones, the um, uh, are, are we automatically uh, subject to, uh, I'm trying, what's the best way to say this? When, when we have our cell phones, are we voluntarily opting into uh, Google or anyone else recording our data and therefore giving it to a third party, giving it to somebody else. And if we voluntarily give our location information to somebody else, well, then the prosecution would argue, well, how do we, uh, it, it, you don't have any reasonable expectation of privacy. After all, you've given it to a third party. Well, the defense said, well, that's, that's a bunch of hogwash because these are unique. You know, most people uh, use their cell phones and either they don't even know that they can opt in or out of location services or um, it's so ubiquitous now that you have to have location services that, uh, you know, you're always opted in, whether you, uh, it's not really a choice, it's just happening. And uh, in today's society, everybody's got a phone. In fact, uh, even 
the government asks for your cell numbers now in places. So uh, the defense would say that's a distinction without merit. It doesn't make any it's, it's nonsense because just having a phone uh, is automatic uh, sharing data like that. Uh, Google sort of agreed with the defense on this one. Google said, look, um, it's not the same as business records typically covered by this third party um, situation or a third party doctrine. Uh, Google says the data is, quote, essentially a history or journal that Google users can choose to create, edit, and store to record their movement and travels. Um, uh, they suggested that given the nature of this data, the government's analogies of the geofence warrant to cell site uh, information uh, is off target. Uh, in other words, it's not the same as um, as specifically going after tower pings and in, in, in location data that way. The this is This is more akin to uh, an intimate uh, involvement with Google and the user to uh, to record their their history and electronic history and data to use for other purposes. Um, but then Google sort of stressed against the defense that users uh, did, in fact, have to opt in to take advantage of the location history services. Um, so they, they claim the defense in that case and Chattery thus erred in asserting that individuals do not voluntarily share their location information with Google. In other words, they say, no, it is a choice that the user has to make. So in that regard, the Google brief uh, did not really support the defense. It looks like Google was really taking a, a trying to take an independent third party uh, position. And, and really what they're doing is saying, look, if we have to be responsible for all this information all the time from government requests, uh, this could get insane. We don't want uh, to. It, it requires a warrant and it's got to be particular enough so it doesn't create these uh, in you know, this significant uh, burden on Google to produce information. And, you know, they cited um, uh, some acts of Congress that basically talk about uh, electronic, electronic data storage and, and what their responsibilities are. But Google is saying, no, you got to get a warrant. Um, now, what does the court do here? Uh, the court, like so often happens in, in criminal defense and really other areas of law, it splits the baby. Um, you know, the judge, uh, Hannah Lauk, uh, from the U.S. District Court in the Eastern Division of Virginia, uh, they said no. She says no. The uh, the 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 search warrant uh, breached the Fourth Amendment protections against unreasonable searches by scooping up information on innocent people without evidence uh, that they might be suspects. In other words, it was too broad. But the, the judge stopped short of invalid of uh, throwing out the evidence uh, as a result of this warrant. And the the judge in doing so relied on something uh, called I, I guess I'll just call it the good faith doctrine. So here's the deal: so the police are allowed to make reasonable mistakes in getting warrants. So if a police, uh, I'll give you the classic example: the police go get a warrant for one, two, three, four uh, Main Street, uh, Columbus, Ohio, but uh, really they meant to say one, two, three, four, five. So they searched the house next door or whatever you know it would be, and uh, they they followed the information in the warrant. They just they clerically put down the wrong information. They searched the house next door, and let's say they found uh, a big cache of, of cocaine when in the other original warrant they were actually looking for guns. Well, the question is, can they use the cocaine as evidence against the owner of the house if, in fact, uh, they're going to prosecute that person? And the answer generally is yes, if they relied on the on the warrant in good faith. Now, the other thing that can happen is, say, the police don't intentionally draft or write out a warrant that, that doesn't spell out enough probable cause. They don't do it intentionally, but they do it in good faith. And the judge issues the warrant. The police generally can rely on that. Um, and as long as they're doing it in good faith, I don't happen to agree with how this has been, how, how this doctrine has been evolved, because I think too often the police hide behind the good faith exception when maybe it's not so good faith. 
But at any rate, uh, the court here says, look, the police have done these kind of warrants before. Um, they consulted with prosecutors about it. So they're not going to they're not going to uh, I'm not going to suppress the information or throw it out in this particular case. But. But the court says, I don't like this type of practice and going forward, beware. Um, and, and generally speaking, what the court says is despite the court finding good faith here, the court nonetheless strongly cautions that this exception may not carry the day in the future. This court will simply not rubber stamp geofence warrants. If the government is to continue to employ these warrants, it must take care to establish particularized probable cause. As the legal landscape confronts newly developed technology and further illuminates Fourth Amendment rights in the faces of geofence practices, future geofence warrants may require additional efforts to seek court approval in between uh, the steps that were employed here or to limit the geographic and temporal information sought. But in light of the complex legal issues that lead to this court's conclusion, the court cannot say that the detective's reliance on the warrant was objectively unreasonable, meaning the detective acted in good faith. So the judge, uh, the defendant lost, but uh, maybe there's a small win for those of us who champion uh, the Fourth Amendment protections and any limitation on government intrusion into our private lives. I happen to be one of those people, which gets me to Sam Spade's uh, question, what do I feel about this? What do I think is going to happen? And uh, what do I, how do I see the constitutional issues playing out? Well, first, it's cases like Chatry's case that are going to go up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and uh, they're ultimately going to pronounce on this, and they're going to come up with some uh, some doctrine that uh, applies to this. And, you know, this is this is uh, the age-old debate. I had this with my, my colleague and friend, Mark Satawa, as we were trying our case on uh, how far do we uh, interpret, I'll put that in quotes, the Constitution. You know, the Fourth Amendment says nothing about geofence warrants. So how in the heck here we are, you know, a couple hundred years later talking about cell phone towers, geofences, and all this stuff that our founders would have no information or knowledge about. So how do, how do we play that out? Well, you know, there is a Fourth Amendment. It says uh, the, we should be protected uh, from warrantless searches and seizures. There are already lots of exceptions to the warrant requirement uh, that exist in our lives that we've become accustomed to, like uh, you know, getting pulled over by a police officer uh, does not require a warrant, um, even though that's a, an intrusion under the Fourth Amendment. Uh, maybe even getting your car searched uh, doesn't necessarily require a warrant. Uh, if they've got some probable cause, uh, even if they don't go put it on paper and get a warrant, they can search your car. And the, the courts have said, generally speaking, that we have less expectation of privacy when we're traveling around in our cars because we're just out in public. So I'm telling you this because I think I got a gut feeling that our, this geofence issue is going to play out in a similar way. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to say that we are uh, under, we are naturally or implicitly giving up certain uh, expectations of privacy with our cell phone usage. I think they're going to say, look, everybody knows in this day and age that your cell phone puts you out there. That's not a legal term of art. That's a lawyer talk term uh, to try to simplify things. But we're putting ourselves out there with our cell phones. We're posting stuff where most people are even putting location data out there intentionally so they can track themselves or their kids or whatever. Uh, and I think the court ultimately is going to say that by doing that, we are acknowledging that we have less expectation of privacy in activities that uh, involve our cell phones. Now, I'm not saying I agree with this, but I think that's how it's going to shake out. So I, I think ultimately there will be some limit on this. It may end up being a, a congressional act or some sort of law uh, governing uh, how uh, the, the data services maintain and keep their records. But there, there, I think ultimately there's going to be some limit um, 
a Fourth Amendment limit. But uh, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous slippery slope because, as Sam Spade says, what about the people next door? So I think what's going to happen is there's going to be some prophylactic measure where courts are going to say, look, uh, if it uh, is irrelevant, you have to throw it out or you can't use it. I, I'm not exactly sure how it will shake out, but I think it's just too impractical to say that the government can't use this tool uh, of geofencing to track down crimes. Too many crimes are solved that way. Again, I'm not, look, I, I represent people charged with crimes for a living. I challenge these things all the time. Generally speaking, I, I, I square that with my belief that um, I'd rather see 100 innocent people uh, go free than one uh, or 100 guilty people go free than one innocent pe- person convicted wrongfully. And I think wrongful convictions happen at the hands of uh, government all the time, and I don't think it's intentional. I think um, I, I think power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, so we need to limit the power of the government. Even though we need it, we need to limit it, and we need to keep a constant check and balance on it. And uh, that's why I believe in these Fourth Amendment protections, even for guilty people, even for people who are horrible, even for people who have done such horrible things that uh, I can't even talk about. But uh, this is why I do it. Now, that's not to say that I'm not real, uh, realistic about how things play out, because so often law reflects society and society uh, sort of leads the way. Uh, And here the law is going to have to reflect the realistic uh, situation that's going on out there that we all have warrants that these are great tools for law enforcement. And I, I think uh, no matter what the Constitution says, the courts are going to find a way to let law enforcement use it. How it all shakes out, I don't know. So what's the takeaway here? I think uh, geofence issues are emerging as the predominant uh, Fourth Amendment issues of the day. I think we're going to see a lot more on this. I think this Chatry case very well could go all the way up. Um, actually, it, it, you know, it, it may or may not go all the way up. I don't know. Uh, uh, what the current status is. I probably should have done an update. Um, but anyway, I, I think the U.S. Supreme Court eventually will rule on this and uh, we'll get some answers. Uh, my takeaway is this. I always turn off my location data. I always opt out of sharing any location information. If I need to use my phone to get somewhere, I, I specifically turn on uh, the Google Maps only for that occasion. Then I turn it off. Um, I don't always, uh, I'm not perfect about it, but that's what I try to do. Not because I'm out there committing crimes. I assure everybody I am not, not because I'm out there doing things that I shouldn't be doing, whether they're criminal or not. I assure people that that is not going on, but because I just generally don't, I like my privacy. And I think Americans like our, we, we like our privacy. I'm one of those people that believes in individual rights, individual freedoms. And, uh, I, I strongly believe that we need to limit the power of government because again, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. The old Lord Acton quote, uh, I don't know how, a couple hundred years ago, still uh, holds true today. And government is run by people, for the people. But people inherently are uh, capable of horrible things, whether they've been elected to a government position or not. And all too often, the most horrendous uh the most horrendous uh, governmental action is done in the name of some noble cause, like fighting a horrible crime. And, uh, you know, we we don't need to review history uh, in too much detail, but uh, that's my lawyer talk Q&A take on Sam Sam Spade's question. It is a great question. It was one of the more complicated uh, answers I've had to give, so forgive me for the rambling. Um, And Sam, I hope I have answered your question effectively. Um, if you want more on it or you want to follow up, let me know. I, like I said, I am back in action. You got your own question, go to lawyertalkpodcast.com. You can submit it. There's a, there's a, a question portal, like an email thing. I don't know what you would call that, but I got one. Um, and uh, as always, you can tune in every Wednesday for 99.7 The Blitz here in Columbus, Ohio, where I take legal questions 
uh, week in and week out from listeners there. Uh, if you like the longer discussions, check out our Lawyer Talk Roundtable with Norm Murdoch these days and, and Brett from Turkle, Circle 270 Media. Um, we are taking on some of the weightier uh, topics politically and socially of the day there. Uh, and I always try to put my legal spin on it. And uh, recently, I just, uh, for whatever it's worth, I got word that our podcast here is second, rated second by somebody somewhere uh, in criminal defense podcasts. So I appreciate everybody downloading and listening. Uh, if you want to uh, uh, check out more, just go to lawyertalkpodcast.com. You get some bios, get some info, even become a Patreon if that's what you want to do. Until the next Q&A session, this is Lawyer Talk off the record, on the air, at least until now.